We're approaching roster cut time in the NFL. 2020 continues the month of September upon us. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Training camp viewing is complete. I want to say I saw, I don't know, nine full pattern practices, maybe 10 for the Colts. So now we get into regular season viewing, and we will, uh, obviously, the meat of today's podcast will recap what I saw, my main takeaways from this 2020 version of training camp. Uh, per usual, lots and lots and lots and lots of Twitter questions. So we'll make sure to cover that. Um, How's the weekend, man? It was good. Went up to a lake uh, up in northern Indiana, just north of, or just south of uh, Syracuse. So, what lake? Had fun. Uh, Tippecanoe. Yeah, my my, my in laws have a have a place there. I thought that's what you said, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Great, great lake. Where uh, where at on the lake? Did you have any idea, like directionally? I don't. Yeah. I did. You pass no. the golf course? Did were you on that part of the lake, or were you on the did part? not pass? Did not pass the golf course. Okay. No. Nice. So yeah, nice. it was fun. That's a good, beautiful weather. Um, I think honestly, it, I think uh, the guy I was up there with who uh, got the group together said it's like the second deepest lake in Indiana. That's like uh, non-man-made. Yeah, that sounds right. I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I, I can barely, you know, I I can barely you know have a kayak going in the proper straight direction. So my uh, my water knowledge or skills is a little bit um, lacking. To say the least. So, um, yeah, that that that, that sounds right. Uh, I'm gonna go with your word there. But beautiful area. Yeah. Um, and always good to get away. Actually, I think some of my in-laws were up there this past weekend. Um, all right. So today's pod, like I said, we'll focus on the camp takeaways. This will probably be our only podcast of the week. Mm-hmm. We obviously have beers with Bowen Thursday night, uh, eight o'clock, YouTube, and I believe and, Facebook. Yep. Um, for those that. I think it'll be archived, but I'm not 100% sure. I know I had someone reach out to me and and ask about that, so I'll have to double-check that. But basically, that will be final roster cut time for me. That will be when you see the the, the final projection. I'll also write an article on it as well. But this pod, we won't focus so much on that. Yes, I'll get you kind of what I'm thinking right now, but again, for that 53-man roster cut, that will be on Thursday night. 8 o'clock, YouTube will be very interactive over there. And uh, Chris and I will join you for about an hour. Grab your favorite beverage or two or three. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's a holiday weekend. I got That's my right. I got a, a bachelor party for my brother-in-law this, this coming weekend, so any prayers I would appreciate. Um, what else am I missing, man? Oh, fantasy football. Fantasy, yes. A lot of a lot of people interested in that. Yeah, we. I don't know if we can have a league of seventy-seven owners. Yeah, that might be a little sparse. But um, okay. So I think what we're gonna do is this: we're gonna have twelve-person league. Chris and I will be in, and that leaves ten spots. So many people reached out, and thank you to that. What we're going to do is have a public-ish survivor league, or 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 picks. What do you think's better, picks or survivor? I like the picks. Okay. You didn't that, say that very confidently. No, I just like picks because that way you can play year round, and even if even if you have a, a crappy first week, yeah. you, you can always come back. For sure. Okay, let's do that then. Um, as far as the fantasy league is concerned, five of those spots will go to people that answer uh, our trivia questions on Thursday night during beers with Bowen. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to answer it. You'll comment in the YouTube section. We'll get your name. We'll have you DM Chris or I after that to get the login for the Fantasy League. And then I'll go back through and find five other people that messaged me and want to be in the league. So, again, I apologize. We can't get everybody in there. That's life of fantasy football. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anything. I mean, hell. Yeah, so as, as I find out more about this Picks League, just so all you guys know, it's probably going to be on CBS Sports. I'm in okay. one currently with some uh, – a men's league softball team and some buddies like that. And so what I will likely do is bring up that information on one of the upcoming podcasts so you guys can get in there. I will also put the link to that in the description underneath each of our YouTube oh, podcasts over the next couple of weeks. So you can just click on that, love that, go in, register, and then we can have some fun throughout the remaining uh, portion of the year. That's awesome. Uh, great idea there. Um, yeah. Let's hop into the pod, man. All right, so on 1075thefan.com, you have your article, like you mentioned, of 10 takeaways from camp. We're going to get into three of those. The first one we want to bring up, Kevin Phillip Rivers. 
Yeah, you know, general thoughts, Chris, there is um, it's a lot of what we expected, I think, from Rivers. But I think watching him and watching Jacoby Brissett then play the position back-to-back, I think where this move stands out to me more than anything comes down to how those two quarterbacks mentally play the quarterback position. Yeah. Jacoby's got the bigger arm. Jacoby's going to shed more sack-ish people trying to bring him down. But Rivers' ability to process things, um, the quick rhythm, Mm -hmm. that plays into the mental aspect as well. It's just infinitely better. Uh, I thought there was a great play in Saturday's scrimmage that really honed this in for me. There was a blitzing slot corner off the left. Rivers identifies that right away. And instead of moving his eyes to the other side of the field or, you know, pump faking and trying to get out of the pocket, he knows he has an advantage over there. That mm-hmm. that there is the defense has made itself susceptible on that part of the field. And Rivers hangs in there. Now obviously having a red jersey probably helps, but he stands in there and throws in that general direction where I guarantee you his vision was cloudy. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's no way he could clearly see what was happening. I think it was DeMichael Harris, who was an undrafted kid that's actually gotten a lot of run with the starters with you know so many injuries to wideouts. He ends up being open, and Rivers finds him for you know a chunk play. And that, to me, was one of the plays that identifies so much of why they said no to Jacoby Brissett and why they, say, why they are saying yes to Phillip Rivers. Think about the identifications of blitzes last season and the Colts' inability to identify the hot reads right. and take advantage. Mm-hmm. That's football. Like, that is NFL football so much. And I thought Rivers right there just did a great job of that. There hasn't been as much downfield stuff as I would like to see. A little bit more on Saturday and Friday, the last two practices. But from a get-the-ball-out-quick, continue-to-be-a-high-percentage guy, I think I've said it, you know, a podcast or two ago. He doesn't throw the ball away. It's dump offs. That's those are his throwaways. Yep. Those are his scrambles. And so now it's saying, okay, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines, go take this ball to, at the line of scrimmage and try to get five, seven yards out of it. So those are, I think, some of the things that really stand out to me. Again, there is not great arm strength, I think, by any means, or whatever, elite level arm strength. And I still have questions about deep ball accuracy and successfulness, if that's a word, for the Colts this season. But there are several areas to the quarterback position where the Colts lacked last year that they will not lack this year. Yeah, And I really mean that from a mental processing standpoint. So I remember when, you know, Rivers was signed and I thought more about it and I sat there and, and, and recorded a podcast. Honestly, I think I was up at Lake Tippy during quarantine life, and I just thought to myself more and more, Chris, this is a chess piece move. Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers will try and out chess piece. They want to play chess and have everyone else playing checkers. Like, that's the goal. And I think from a mental capacity standpoint, Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers are a pretty good duo mm-hmm. to have on your side. Now, will the physical limitations hold you back in any way? We'll find out when it gets live. But I, I would say that's the thing that stood out to me the most about Rivers. Second thing we want to talk about in terms of the takeaways, what's the uh, optimism level right now with Kamoko Ture? And before I get to Ture, another tease of an article. This is in the Camp Takeaways article that you mentioned. There's 10 takeaways in there yes. for those that missed it. The other article, for people that might have missed it, there's a Chris Ballard recap from his interview on Friday with Dan Dockage. Check that out on the site as well. I know people love hearing from Chris. I'll try to interject a few of those tidbits throughout the pod today, um, but that's something to uh, check out as well. Absolutely. Uh, Okay, sorry. Who you got? Your optimism on uh, Ture. Should we be worried? What are we looking at? I'm a little worried. Uh, We're August 31st. We're 13 days away from playing real freaking football. Hell yes. I can't believe it, man. I'm so freaking happy. Um, guys, I'm more like rivers every day. <laughs> I'm a little worried. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where what gives me optimism about Ture is this. You don't ask him to play a role outside of third down, really. So it's not like you need him to go play 60 snaps a game. You need him to play, I don't know, 20, mm-hmm. something like that. But 
again, we're 13 days out. He's yet to practice. He's still on the physically unable to perform list. And I feel like at times we almost forget the injury he had. We're talking dislocated yeah. and fractured ankle. So this was not just a whatever high ankle sprain and we're moving on. Like this was pretty, you know, pretty significant. Um, as I sit here right now, I'm like, all right, do you just leave him on pup to start the year? Do you, you know, bring him off pup and put him on IR and then he's out for at least three weeks? You know, these are all kind of the roster mechanic questions. We'll get into a lot more on on Thursday, but um, I'm just a little bit like. I have skepticism of him playing week one. Yeah. And what worries me, Chris, is this, and we'll get into the Trey Burton injury. I think there's a couple Twitter questions about that. Trey Burton, Paris Campbell, Kamoko Ture. They all are outliers of their position groups in very necessary ways. Campbell, slot, gadget, Mm -hmm. take the ball and run. Yeah. Ture. You're four five off the edge. I mean, you are high four five, maybe four. Six. I mean, you are the fastest edge rusher this team has. Burton, you are the best receiving tight end this team has. Jack Doyle, incredibly consistent, but still, Burton offers you something different, something mm-hmm. a little bit more, more separation, more of that red zone third down threat down the field a little bit. So for those three guys, now Campbell, I think it will be fine, but like those are three injuries that I'm kind of like, oh gosh. Those three are, you could argue, you know, I'd rather have, you should never say you'd rather have other people hurt, but like, you know what I'm getting uh, yeah, at. It's I, like, I probably not Doyle, but like Mo Ali Cox or Burton, you'd rather Burton be healthy. Uh, at the receiver position, you'd probably rather have Michael Pittman hurt than Paris. And I know it's 6'4", and you're missing that element, but still, I think Campbell is a much more of a just yes. one touch, can totally change the game. And at the end... I'd rather have Danico Autry and Alcadine Muhammad get hurt, even though I know full well those guys are going to play more snaps than Ture. So I guess that's where some of my concern comes into this. Um, now, I trust modern medicine. I trust freaks of athletes to make full recoveries. But a serious injury for a speed guy, you do wonder about that a little bit. So, yeah, as of right now, again, nothing on Ture. And uh, at this point, I would say week one is probably in question. I just can't see him. I mean, maybe if he comes off the list in the next 48 hours. Colts practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. He wasn't on the field today. We're taping this late on Monday. Um, Yeah. A little bit concerning to me. Good news is you play, you know, the London Jaguars. Right. That have just lost two pretty decent pieces. Gosh. Only the Jags, man. I know. We'll get into that later. Um, the last thing we want to talk about before jumping into Twitter questions, uh, again, of this 10-part 10, 10 uh, blog that you have, the creativity on both offensive side and the defensive side. Yeah, you know, this is something that I, I'm probably not allowed to get too, too into just because there are some NFL regulations on this, mm-hmm. but I, I did want to mention it. You know, I, I'll, I'll say offensively, I expect the next wrinkle to be a heavy eh, – I shouldn't say heavy – a package that involves two running backs on the field and some fun, oh my gosh, yeah, type of action cool. from that. Um, makes sense. Frank Reich hinted at it, you know, back in the, back in the spring. Um, gosh, I almost had a hiccup that I thought I was going down <laughs> for the count. Jeez. Um, defensively, I'm trying to put my hope aside with this because I've always hoped this but I actually have kind of seen it. I think a few more of the Gardner Minshew comes to the line week one, and there might be eight, nine Colts, maybe not all standing up, but certainly in some sort of a disguise mode of yeah. there's one safety back there, we have our two outside corners, you got to guess who's coming. Um, I like that. You know, I, I've been a huge, huge proponent of being more you know, disguising with what you do pre-snap and uh, don't feel like the Colts have tapped into that enough. So, you know, year three and this, you know, this is why the Pacers have fired Nate McMillan. Like, you've got to be innovative. You've got to be creative. I think in the NFL, it is so paramount. Frank Reich has always been at the forefront of that. 
and Matt Eberflus has been a little bit slower with that. Um, so I think those are kind of two areas that each side of the ball will tap into a little bit more. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are the three of the ten, like I mentioned, that we wanted to, to touch upon. Yeah, we got seven more up on the site. So, again, if you haven't yet, check that out. Um, but I did want to make sure we hit on a few of those before we get into, yeah, 7,000 Twitter questions. <laughs> yeah, so with the Twitter questions, I'm not going to go rapid fire, but there are a good amount. So we're going to get through all of these or as many as we can. And we're going to start off this And I week. know we missed a few of them. I've got them saved for, yes. you know, next. I know people will, will be disappointed. But, uh, yeah. Let's jump into it, man. All right, this is from Micah. If you had to guess, how many yards do you think the six wide receivers in our receiving core will get this year? Jeez. Um, well, if Rivers is throwing for 4,000 yards, I don't know. Let's say he throws for 4,500. Okay, 1,000 uh, comes from the tight ends. And I don't know, 800 come from the running backs, 500 come from the running backs. I, I'm just throwing out numbers. So whatever, 1,800 minus... 4,500, 2,700. Okay. That's a lot of math to start off Twitter questions. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Micah. I, I, I hope that's what you're looking for. Shad, with the recent showing at camp, has anybody done enough to replace Marcus Johnson as the fifth receiver on the depth chart? And if you had to pick two for the fifth and the sixth spots, who would it be? Good question, Shad. Just left Colts practice. Marcus Johnson is practicing. First time he's done that in full pads here in 2020. This is another one we'll dive into more on Thursday, Chris. I think Ashton Doolin makes his team purely for special teams. Now, he's got a receiver next to his name, so, like, he's one of them. Mm -hmm. So, I look at Johnson, Reese Fountain, Desmond Patman for one spot. If you'd asked me at the start of the camp, I would have said Johnson is clearly the favorite. Fountain would have been second, Patman third. Boy, I might put Patman above everybody. He seems to be climbing quickly. Yeah, and it's – I mean, he's done – it's it's not like he's done that much more than Fountain in camp. Or I sit here and think week one, he's going to give you more than Marcus Johnson would give you week one. Like, if Johnson's practicing two weeks before the opener, I would think he's going to be okay for the opener if you need him. I think what we have to start thinking about is who has the better chance to get claimed? Right. Reese Fountain's done nothing in the NFL. No team is going to claim him. Marcus Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, was a free agent for like, a full month or two, maybe even longer than that, this offseason. So anybody could have had him. Patman is the rookie. It, was there a team in the seventh round that was like, we were going to draft him, and we just had a receiver get hurt? We're going to claim him yeah. if if he gets cut. Now, Patman isn't like polished. I don't think week one he's giving you a whole lot, but I'm very torn on this. The fact that Johnson practiced today, I still think to myself, he can give you something week one. So, now, do you need that? Do you need that out of your fifth wideout? Fifth wideout might not even play. Marcus Johnson might be a healthy scratch. So, I, I'm still torn on this. But I think Doolin, I would be surprised if he didn't make the team just because I think he's kind of the new Chris Milton, the new special teams um, stalwart. Yeah. That's a good question, Sean. This one comes from Chaz. Last year, EJ Speed was a camp star before the injury, and he's not heard him mention much this year. Has he been lost in the shuffle? Chaz, what a great name. Chaz, um, one-on-one rep probably a handful of days ago. I look over, I'm looking at the DNs, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's EJ Speed. Uh, it was interesting to me. Uh, you know, I've said it before, he's the best-looking athlete on the team. Yep. Trying to get him on the field a little bit more. I mean, he got stoned in the one-on-one rep, but, I mean, obviously this is a, a college wideout turned linebacker, and uh, now, you know, we're, we're, him playing linebacker in the NFL as I try to clean up water and still record the podcast here. Um, yeah, I mean, Speed is a guy that I think um, I think it's going to be difficult for him to find playing time. I, I just think at linebacker, he's he's – Fourth on the depth chart, yeah, and that's just it's just tough. Where, you know, where does he crack it? So it was interesting that I saw him do that rep over there. I didn't see much of it the rest of camp for what it's worth. Uh, but, yeah, I think EJ Speed is a special teams guy here in, uh, in 2020. The Jaguars released Fournette this morning, as we mentioned. Alec wants to know, is Marlon Mack now the second best running back in the division? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's not – I don't know if that's even the greatest – Jonathan Taylor's probably the third best running back in the division. I don't know. I mean, it, I who the hell is Jacksonville's running back? That kid from Temple? 
I honestly don't know. I'm going to have uh, to look. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, Fred Jones or something. Or, <laughs> yeah, I don't even or Fred Taylor, uh, Jones, Greg Jones. That's who I was thinking of, the big old back from, I think, of Florida State. Uh, yeah, I mean, David Johnson, isn't he kind of past his prime? I, yeah, I don't know. Duke Johnson, yeah, Marlon Mack without a doubt. Um, and, boy, don't you think on it, Chris, about, you know, the rumor was Jacksonville was potentially going to take Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Colts traded up. You know, it's kind of funny how all of that ends up playing out. And, you know, we, you looked it up for me a few weeks ago. That line was what? Colts favored by a touch? I mean, Fournette had a pretty good year last year. Yes. I mean, he, so, now, granted, I don't think he played week 17 and the Colts still lost to him. But, I mean, it's it would not shock me to see the Colts as a double-digit favorite on the road week one. There can't be many times that's happened for this franchise in the last six or seven years yeah last week it was seven I checked quickly once I saw that because I was like man can I get get an edge here it was still at seven I'd have to look and see if that moved but that's what I thought I said this this has to jump to 10 boy and I mean god doesn't that just have trap game written all over it yeah and I didn't you know I didn't help the cause by tweeting out this morning I can't name three Jaguars I mean I literally sat there for a second I was like Boy, I know I woke up last night because of Rosie, but still, I, I don't know if I can name more than three Jags. I eventually got to about five, but <laughs> uh, God bless Jacksonville. This one comes from Zach with Pierre Desir gone and Xavier Rhodes in for, and having four interchangeable safeties. Will the secondary be better than they were at the end of last season, i.e. the Bucks and the Saints games? Boy, that's a must. I mean, you would hope. Just absolutely torched late last season. Um. I think they will be. I, I like the first four or five, Chris. I worry a little bit about depth. And, of course, he says four interchangeable safeties. I don't know if that includes Blackman. I, I would consider five. George Odom and Tavon Wilson are two guys that I know the staff really likes. So, again, I, I, I actually, now that I think about it, I like the depth of safety. The depth of corner worries me. A Rakusin injury, a Xavier Rhodes injury, and you're starting to kind of get a little antsy, I think, over there. Um, but I just think the defensive line will give you more. And I think if the defensive line gives you more, it'll alleviate some stress off the secondary. I would say TJ Carey's been – we got a lot of – I think a couple questions about, you know, the slot backup corner. TJ Carey and Isaiah Rogers gotten mm-hmm. a ton of reps there. And Carey, I think, gives you value outside and inside. But still, he struggled last year with the Browns. So it's like, you know, you're banking on – more so Rhodes, but if an injury happens, carry to all of a sudden play a big role for you. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Rodgers is a guy, and I mentioned this in the 10 takeaways up on the site. Those day three picks impressed me. Yeah. You know, I thought Windsor was really, really good. Quick, that just so quick. I don't know if it means your O-line depth sucks, but Windsor just smoked that second team D-line, him and Tyquan Lewis. Um, you know, Pinter's a guy that I feel like you know, he could be involved in some you know, bigger packages possibly and, and, you know, something Chris Ballard has pointed out and, you know, maybe your backup guard and center. Because remember, he was a tight end turned tackle in college, so he's still used to playing outside yeah. if you want to throw him out there. We had a couple of submissions to you this week that are kind of touch a, a, along the same topic, so we, we merged a few of these on this week's podcast. Zach Mango and Stan talking about in a tweet from you on Saturday it mentioned the trust the staff has in Mac that Taylor – will have to earn. Do you foresee a scenario where Taylor struggles with the ball security that the staff will start to limit his snaps and touches at least somewhat? One more thing on that previous question, Chris. There's uh-huh. not a lot of great wideouts on this roster. Or, uh, uh, excuse me, on this schedule. You know, you aren't playing like Hopkins is no longer in your division. Yeah, Devontae Adams, but, you know, you aren't playing just stud wideout week in and week out. So I do think that's something that could help the secondary as well. Um Okay, give it to me again if Taylor struggles with ball security. Do you foresee a scenario where Taylor struggles with security that the staff will start to limit his snaps and touches at least somewhat? Well, sure, if he struggles with ball security, yes. I mean, his role will be limited. Um, Now, you know, I I always say this about Taylor, and Taylor had at least four, if not more, drops during training camp. He was never going to be a third-down guy anyways. You know, like, it's nice to give him reps there, but... If Jonathan Taylor can just run in between the tackles for me and break off a 30-yard run every couple games, I'm good. Yeah. You know, I don't need him to play mm-hmm. third down. Sure, in an ideal world, he'd grow into more of a third down guy and 
and all that stuff. But again, I, I'm not trying to put too much on rookies' plates. And you know, we've seen Michael Pittman, a sure-handed guy, struggle with some drops as well. So um, I still think, and I thought Frank Reich laid this out pretty well today. Max, your starter. Mac is a little bit quicker, I think, in like the short areas, mm-hmm. a little bit b- better of an accelerator, maybe. Taylor is the more powerful, and certainly when he gets in the open field, he turns it into a gear that Marlon Mack doesn't have. I think Taylor's growing into more of the zone schemes that the Colts like to use as well from a run game standpoint. But still, Marlon Mack has looked, Frank Reich's words, fantastic this camp. You're going to go with the guy that you trust, as you should, early in the season. And all these fantasy people ask me these questions, and I'm like, I'm going to take Mac because I know Mac is probably going to be the guy for at least, at least, the start of the season. Yeah. And hell, by the end of September, three running backs will have gotten hurt, and I'll poach one off the waiver wire, and I've I've found the next Philip Lindsay or something like that. Yeah. At least that's my that's what it sounds like in my head. I mean, who knows if that's right or not? But yeah, that, that's kind of how I see the whole Taylor thing, and. He's got to prove himself ball security-wise because, you know, that is the one knock on him right? coming out of Wisconsin. Jenny wants to know about the separation with receivers. Is that more scheme, technique, or talent? And have you seen our receivers in camp this year? And what have you seen in our receivers in camp this year regarding the separation? Yeah, Jenny, it's, it's a good question. I think it's mostly talent. Now, I think you can scheme it up, but I think it's more difficult to scheme it up I'd just rather have a guy that, you know, mm-hmm. can just, you know, be out in man coverage and, and quickly, you know, break free and create separation. Um, you know, I, I'd probably like to see a little bit more out of that group in camp. Uh, now, to be fair, you know, Campbell probably practiced half the days. Hilton probably close to half the days, maybe a little bit more than that. Pascal was banged up. You know, Pittman, I think, could, could improve in that category, but maybe that's just kind of not his game per se. Um, you know, as far as creating separation, like if you're purely going to evaluate guys on that, honestly, outside of Hilton and Campbell, I don't know if I really trust anybody else. Uh, Burton, honestly, is probably one that I that I do trust, and we'll see what that calf injury indicates. But yeah, I think that's a fair concern with the group. But I also think it's this: it's a schematic thing and it's a timing thing. Like NFL quarter corners are damn good. If there's a little bit of separation, that's going to close real quick. Mm-hmm. So that's where Rivers has got to throw guys open, anticipate. Oh, my gosh, he's got a half step. But he's about to turn into a step and a half. That ball's got to be humming to that guy. So I think it falls on some other areas as well. Okay. This one comes from Skywatcher. Team challenges you see going into this season? Well, I'll always say O-line depth and, honestly, now tight end depth. Um, you know, Jack Doyle has been a little banged up. He was out there at practice today. So I would say those two groups worry me a little bit. Kamoko Ture and just, again, can he stay healthy, you know? It's just, you know, he had the neck as a rookie and just there's some concerns there. But honestly, starting 22-wise, I feel feel pretty good about this team. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say they're the favorite to win the AFC South. I think Tennessee's close, but I see no reason why this team shouldn't be in the playoffs. Yep. No reason why. Um Again, I don't think Rivers is some godsend that you're going to build a statue for, but I think he's better than what you had. And I think your defense has made some improvements. So if that's the case, I think the barometer should be uh, double-digit wins and and winning the AFC South. This one's from Sam. Do you think the extremely high energy and vocal players like Rivers and Leonard will play a larger role in keeping the intensity of the team high due to games being played in front of little to no fans and who else would you put in the rules besides those two? Yeah, you know, that sounds a bit wild, but, like, I think it makes some sense. They had Leonard mic'd up for the practice yeah. on Saturday, and, yeah, I mean, he's definitely hooting and hollering. I'd say more so, look, it's going to be weird for these guys. I mean, we talked about this a month or so ago, Chris. I mean, you never play 11-on-11 football yeah. in front of empty buildings. Mm-hmm. You play 5-on-5 five five in basketball. You you know, have batting practice in front of empty arenas. You never go 11-on-11 11 11 in empty stadiums like this. So I do think it is going to take some, you know, the motivation like that. And just in general, I don't know if it's as much hooting and hollering like Rivers and Leonard do. Just self-motivated guys. You know, Kari Willis isn't going to say a whole lot. That dude's really self-motivated. Um, 
So I think that helps the Colts. You know, it was interesting seeing a little bit of family members in the stands on Saturday. You know, certainly it's nowhere near, what are they, 15% now? Mm-hmm. I think yep. the Colts have said, or I don't know if the Colts have said it, but some reports say that. <laughs> God. Life with a baby. <laughs> that was tough. I couldn't even hide that one, man. Um, I read in Peter King's column today that basically what they're going to do is, I think, this for TV, I'm not sh- sure if it's for um, in-stadium as well, but for TV, they will have taken the last four Colts-Texans meetings at Lucas Oil Stadium, mix that sound together, and that's the sound that you'll hear on your TV. Hmm. And like 80 decibels, I think it was Frank Reich, said that's the limit in-stadium. So there's going to be some sort of noise, but obviously nowhere near the anticipation level of a big third down yeah. or, you know, that guy's wide open in the whole crowd. <gasps> You know, stuff like that. So it was it was weird being in there, man. Wouldn't you love to see you get uh just like you do with challenges, each team gets a certain amount of plays where they can pump up the noise yeah, a little oh, yeah. louder and you get like four per half and which big play on defense right. do you I, signal up to the I'm hit my I'm hit my L two button or whatever yeah. to pump up the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, but yeah, talk about another wrinkle for coaching staffs to deal what with. What a weird year. <laughs> Yuri wants to know the top three players who have shown up or dominated this camp that we should watch this season. Well, Burton, I mean, I, just because he got hurt, I'm not going to you know, take him off the list. Tyquan Lewis, mm-hmm. certainly. And I'd say Rocky Seen. I thought he was pretty solid. You know, not a lot of action thrown at him, but when he was thrown at, I thought he did a really nice job breaking up some plays and, and just doing what I think the number 34 overall pick should do. Fowler's question goes back to the tight end position. What is it about Moali Cox that took him completely out of the passing game? He had flashes a few weeks ago or a few years ago and then disappeared worse than Dwayne Allen as a pass catcher. Oh. Is it straight line speed, routes, hands? If it's because he's a good blocker, that's silly. Go get open. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think his route running was as crisp as they want. I mean, this guy was a collegiate basketball player, so I think that's what it was. And, I mean, he struggled with a couple drops. There were definitely a couple drops in there as well. And also, it's kind of like, you know, you got Doyle and Ebron. You've got some wideouts. You've got some running backs. Like, there's maybe not enough ball to go around a little bit there. So, um, they feel like he's really improved as a route runner. And I do think it's something to where when Doyle was healthy, you know, he's going to be on the field so much. You know, there's a playing time factor as mm-hmm. well. So I, I think it was mainly route running. I know Frank Reich's been really pleased with that development there. And he's going to play, a, you know, a big role. I mean, they remain high on him, but Stu didn't even play football until a couple of years ago. So right. I think it's fair to, you know, ease him along um, in this process. Chad and Colts wants to know if you see Roosevelt Knicks making the roster. I think so, but I'm not as sold on that as, as as I used to be. I just don't remember much in 11 on 11 work during camp, but I still think he's a um he's a big special teams guy and I worry about tight end now. You know, mm-hmm. if you got to put Burton on IR to start the year if he's going to miss a month or something, then all of a sudden does that take a spot away from Jordan Wilkins and Roosevelt Knicks, two guys that it's kind of a luxury to to carry them. Wilkins probably being more so than than Nick. So, I think he makes it, but I uh, I don't know. I think so. Colton's got a two parter for us this week. The first one: What are the odds that Walker slides over to the Sam? He's good in the run game, anyways. And when we are going and we're going to be four three, it will most likely be to stop the run. Well. I still think he is your Mike. I mean, he's your starting Mike. That's how I look at it. Um, Bobby Okariki, I think, is your starting Sam. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people that, you know, was this going to be a battle again? I think Walker's won the battle. Now, Okariki, I think, is still going to play a a decent amount, and especially, you know, if you get into some of that nickel work. But for now, I think it's still Anthony Walker. Um, I think it's something to... Also, also remind yourself of you get into the sub packages. How much do you want on Darius Leonard's plate? Of a you know communication standpoint, of you're getting everybody lined up, you know that 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 sort of thing as well. Uh, do you want Leonard playing a little bit freer? You know, I know Walker does such a great job with that, but 
I still think it's Anthony Walker at the mic and Bobby O'Kreeky at the same. All right, and the second question was top 10 current Colts players in five years. Do it again. Said in question two, top 10 current Colts players in five years. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know how much can change in five years in the NFL? Just ask the Jags. I mean, five years, okay. Um, Taylor, hell, is Taylor going to be here in five years? Taylor, Campbell, Pittman, Nelson, Kelly, Smith, Buckner, Leonard, Moore. I got to be close to 10, aren't I? One more. One more. Uh, two more. Rocky Seen and Kari Willis. Okay. <laughs> That's so hard. <laughs> it is hard. I have no idea. Five years? I mean, <sighs> yeah. Eric wants to know, do you see the Colts being active in free agency after all teams' cuts are complete? If so, what positions are most likely to be addressed? Yeah, you know, waiver claim-wise, I think the Colts the Colts say that they're going to continue to be aggressive. You know, I was talking to somebody, um, you know, pretty high up in that organization. They're like, oh, no, we'll still be aggressive at wa- waiver claim time. He was a little bit more skeptical if the rest of the league will be as aggressive because, again, there's no preseason film. Right. So you're just going off these draft grades on that. You know, position-wise, obviously tight end. I mean, that's got to be squarely on the list right now. I still think offensive tackle. Uh, who knows if, if anyone would ever, you know, expose someone to waivers that they think is good at offensive tackle. But uh, outside corner, that's the other one that I keep on coming back to. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the positions that stand out to me. Okay, sticking there, Derek wants to know, is our secondary looking better than last season? And more specifically, wants to know how Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sinn have been performing this camp. Yeah, I mean, I, I think pretty good. Again, they haven't been challenged as much as I would like to have seen them be challenged, but, uh, and I would say that's more of just a Rivers thing and maybe more of a coverage thing. You know, these guys are blanket in their, their, um, you know, their wideouts, and, and that's, you know, forcing Rivers to make his progressions elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't noticed anything too alarming really by either guy. You touched on this briefly, but Ben's question is, given how important tight end is to Rivers and his system, does injury to Burton justify making a trade, or will this be another pickup of a low-end player? Um, okay, this is a good one, and something that I'm working on for um, for tomorrow's uh, website. Awesome. You know, I, I will say this. I'm never a fan of trading away draft picks. I, I'm just not. So I think I can be rash. Uh, but I will, like I was saying earlier, I think Trey Burton is really unique. He was 6'2", 238, very different body type than Ebron. They feel like he's a better blocker, so that allows you to do more things. Mm-hmm. What I worry about with an absence of Burton is this. Like I said earlier, I think he's one of your better separators on third down and in the red zone. So now you're taking that away. So, in my opinion, you are taking away your best receiving. And, and like, Jack Doyle is a different type of receiver, like, I think people know what I'm getting at, but just like more of the downfield stuff, I think Burton's a little better at than Doyle has a very, I think, specific route tree and, you know, consistent, obviously, mm-hmm. incredibly sure handed. Um, and then secondly, I think what you're doing is you're limiting the playbook a little bit. You know, how willing are you now to go to the multiple tight end personnel groupings, knowing you maybe are tipping your hand a little bit or you can't, Mo Alley Cox isn't running the same route tree that Trey Burton is running. So. I, I'm a little torn on it. I probably wouldn't trade a draft pick, assuming it's not going to be anything too serious with him. But, Chris, this goes back to my point of even when they signed Trey Burton, which happened 48 hours before the draft, yeah, something like that, I said on this very podcast, they got to go draft a tight end still. Like, that position means too much to Frank Reich. Jack Doyle's 30, and Trey Burton's coming off a injury season riddled season Chris and let's remember Burton felt like he was misdiagnosed in the offseason I mean this is a horror story listen to this he's misdiagnosed with a calf injury I mean oh yeah I mean you say that in Colts world (laughs) and all of a sudden you know you You got windows shattering so I won't hit on it very long but he gets misdiagnosed and these are his words he felt like he rushed back for week one we're in kind of a similar boat right now. And then I think he got the calf injury during the regular season and only played like seven games. Those seven games he played, he didn't do anything. So that is where my worry comes right now with this. He looked healthy to me, though. They're giving a couple maintenance days and whatnot. 
So, I mean, how do you how do you replace it? Your wideout depth's got to show up. Wideout depth has got to show up. I think that is an absolute must. And again, maybe you involve some of that more two-back stuff we talked about earlier. Josh wants to know who's been underperforming or a little too quiet at camp, and will there be any surprise roster cuts? No more popular question than the surprise mm-hmm. roster cuts. I Trust me, I want to create headlines, Josh, but I, who would be a surprise? Wilkins? Fountain? I, I mean, Tyquan Lewis is making the team. That was the one everyone wanted to talk about before the start of camp. I never thought it was, it was legit. I always thought Lewis would just gives you too much versatility and uh, whatnot. You know, Pittman a little quiet. Um, I'd say Okariki a little quiet. It's tough for linebackers, yeah. you know. I don't need people running with this and being like, oh, my God, you think Okariki's <laughs> going to suck this season. Like, it, it's just a little tough. But I'd say those guys would fall into the little bit more of a of a quieter camp. Sreekness, I believe I said that mm. right. Sounds good to me, man. Is Hines the lock for the third down back? How do you anticipate the sp- anticipate the splits between Mac and Jonathan Taylor I think Hines is the lock for third down but you know when you use the word lock and you say I think I guess that kind of goes against it but I, I'm pretty sure uh Mac and Taylor I just fascinated as all you guys to see how it unfolds um I think they will split series but Mac will find his way into the extra series whether that's he gets the extra series based on he got the last one to end the half and he's going to get the first one to start mm-hmm. the third quarter, or you get late in the game in the fourth quarter and you say, how many times Jonathan Taylor fumble in college? No, no, no. We, we need ball security here. We'll put Marlon Mack back in the game. I don't care if he's a hair winded or something like that. So I, I see that. That's how it's going early on. This one's from Taylor's season. We've heard about Pittman dropping some balls. Would you be concerned, or are they just well-covered passes that you'd like to see him catch? No, I, I mean, they aren't just, you know, contested catches. Now, to be fair, he's made some tough catches, and I watch him catch the football, Chris, and, like, I'm like, that dude knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like, he is a natural catcher of the football. I think they're strong hands. The Colts firmly believe they're, that he has strong hands as well. Um so all of that makes me think, okay, this is this is just an anomaly. And I thought Frank Greg brought up a really good point. The mental strain on Michael Pittman right now is there. There's a lot to handle for a rookie wideout. We saw with Paris Campbell last year. We saw with Naeem Hines even, you know, learning the the slot and, and running back role that he had as a rookie. And those guys struggled for various reasons. So Reich basically said once the mental strain for him is lessened when it's lessened he'll start to be more confident elsewhere and that'll lead to him being a more confident catcher of the football because i mean that was such a strength of his at usc but yeah again i report what i see folks mm-hmm. and what i've seen in 10 practices is probably about five drops okay but i still like six four i still oh yeah you have to i i like i'm not i just you know when people ask me okay what do you think i i, I go okay if you want to pick a number two wide out for the colts i'd probably pick campbell all right. You know, that's where I go there. John's question, uh, any chance the Colts make a trade for tight end, or do you envision a waiver wire pickup? Yeah, we kind of touched on that mm-hmm. earlier, yeah. From Sam, between the 53-man roster or practice squad, do you think the Colts could keep four quarterbacks? I think it's possible. Yeah, I, I do. And, and you know, the Jacob Eason stuff has been interesting. You know, Chad Kelly's probably out-snapped him. If you really want to get technical – um, but I think keeping four makes some sense to me. It's, you know, I know Jacoby and Philip. Philip obviously has been incredibly durable, but you know, who knows? From a COVID standpoint, obviously, if you, know, you don't want to throw Eason in there, it's one of those things that could be weird. Like Eason could be on the fifty-three man roster, but Chad Kelly could be the number three quarterback. If that makes sense, yes. you know. Um, but yeah, I I would try that, and I think I think they might. All right, another Kamoko Ture question from Jason regarding when we're going to see him. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's not getting there yet, but it's kind of like, who is this infamous, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but like I said earlier, you, I don't need him for 60 snaps. I, give me 20, and, I, and I'm good. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, if you're making me bet on it right now, I'm going to say no on week one, but that's still, I, I don't say that with a whole lot of confidance. All right, Jorge has some, or uh, has a couple, a three parter here for you. Predict a surprise cut, a trade, and an undrafted player who will make the 53 man roster. Yeah, I got nothing on the surprise cut. I, I don't think that there, there will be one. Um, if I'm thinking surprise, I might, like, surprise roster move, I might think all seven linebackers make the team which I know is doesn't make a lot of sense to people considering you only play two or three, but uh, I think special teams could impact a lot there. Uh, trade, boy, I I think people want to talk about Hooker. I don't I don't see it. You know, it's, I don't know, maybe Tavon Wilson showed you something and Julian Blackman is, you'd be betting a lot on that ACL. Uh, what's the last one? Undrafted free agent? Mm-hmm. Farrar Green would be the one at tight end with this injury to Burton. DeMichael Harris, the name I mentioned earlier at wideout, him and Artavis Scott, two littler guys, have gotten some run. But I I think McLaughlin will make it over Blankenship. I know Blankenship had a really good day on Saturday compared to McLaughlin, but still Chase just missed a couple long ones. I'm not going to rip him too much for that. Um, I don't think an undrafted free agent. We'll make this team. But those are the two. Travis Reed at corner kind of stands out to me. Okay. O-line. I thought maybe Cardo O'Donnell, but no. No. Love them. Colts also interested in the secondary, as have a lot of questions uh, we've had this week. Has Xavier flashed? Does Willis look like he's ready to take the next step from young player to promising budding superstar? And is Hooker playing consistent? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to go superstar full yet, but I think Kari Wills will be a nice, solid starter for you. I know he wants to find the ball a little bit more. Um, neither safety really found it too often. I, I, I noticed Hooker breaking up a couple passes or, you know, doing kind of the rangy stuff there. And like I've said earlier, just not a lot of deep, challenging stuff vertically. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get kind of a great grasp on that group without that happening. And Tim's question ties into that point about the vertical play. We've heard about the short game on display during most of the camp, but towards the end, they seem to be airing it out a little bit more. What should fans expect from this offense? It's a great question, Tim. I think the deep ball will come via the play action. You know, I think we'll start to see more of that. And Rivers admitted on Saturday, he's like, yeah, we haven't really thrown deep too much this camp. Um, And again, I'm kind of like, you know, is this not the driving range? You know, you, you order the jumbo basket and, Mm-hmm. Sit here till your hands bleed. Like that's kind of how I look at training camp, especially this year. Um, but I, I do think there will be some. Now Rivers, you know, preface by saying, "Look, you can create chunk plays with a ten yarder. That's you know, you've given him a lot of open field and whatnot." And yes, I understand that, and I do think Colts need to tap into that. But I would say most of the deep stuff will come off of the play action. And again, Hilton and Campbell, there's just two good not to stress safeties mm-hmm. like you, you have to even I'm like I, I'm good with just winging one down there early on in a game and tell my quarterback he either catches it the wide out or you throw that ball five yards by everybody but just to put that little a that little thought in the safety's head of oh, shit, like yeah. I can't creep too far up in this box or else 13 or 15's by me mm-hmm Madison and Tom want to talk about the defensive line. Who is the opening day defensive end starter opposite of Houston? They know Muhammad is getting a lot of attention right now, but just not sure if he's starter worthy yet. You know, Muhammad's another guy that, that had a really good camp. I think Autry will start on the rundowns and then Muhammad on the pass downs. I think that's what you'll see. Um, I got a lot of questions, I feel like, about defensive line depth in general. I mean, my starters would be Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, and then Autry slash Muhammad. Obviously, when Ture's healthy, I want him on the field on third down. I'd probably take Stewart and then Autry off the field. Uh, Banigou, I thought, did better as camp came came along, which is good to see. Um, Sheldon Day worries me, Chris. You know, the Indy native hasn't practiced yet, had a minor knee procedure done, like, yeah. Go on IR. I mentioned Rob Windsor and Tyquan Lewis. I mean, they're coming. They're going to be rotating in a lot. And, and Eberflus, I mean, he he sometimes rotates those guys every series. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Chris Chris's question this week is just overall about Jonathan Taylor. Does he surpass Mac to lead this team in the running game? Is he the real deal? How's he doing? What are you seeing? You know, again, Mac is a starter, and that's the early guy I'm going with in fantasy. 
For me, it's this, Chris. If Jonathan Taylor can give me two things in the first month of the year, ball security and two explosive runs, and I'm talking north of 30. I know that doesn't quantify as an explosive run. That's really explosive. But, like, if he can give me that, all of a sudden I'm like, all right, how do we get him on the field more? What, guys, talk to me. If, I, if I'm Frank Reich, it's like he's he's holding, holding on to it, and he's giving us what we draft him, him for, and that is to hit the home runs. So if he can show me that, that I think would creep into more of a – you on the field, less of Mac. Because, you know, Mac is a much more of a, um, you know, 22 for 120 sort of, you know, it's kind of a grinding yep. um, sort of style to it. Now, Mac can break big runs, certainly. But, you know, at that first Lucas Oil practice last Monday, that O-line came out in the third quarter, and they just, I mean, bully balled. And Mac ripped off at least two or three 20, 30-yard runs. Like, that's where I think you're going to catch some teams – you know, early fourth quarter, here comes Taylor, and he gets the second level, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, start popping the champagne from a social distance standpoint, <laughs> and, let, you know, let's let's get on the bus type right. of thing. Zach's question has to do, uh, he feels like is somewhat random, but who's been more impressive at cornerback between Tremont Smith and Travis Reed, and is there any chance that either make the roster? Yeah, Zach, I mean, it's random, but it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. It's... um. I go back to what I said earlier, Chris. I feel better about the safety depth than the corner depth right now. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking this. And how much do I want to do this to the rookie? But if Julian Blackman is that former corner, is he my guy in a pinch to go play corner? Now, when I look at the cornerback group right now, I've got Xavier Rhodes making it. I've got Rocky Seen. I've got Kenny Moore. I've got TJ Carey. And I've got Isaiah Rogers. TJ Carey, I think, would be that third outside corner. Um, that to me is, I think, you know, Trayvon Smith, Travis Reed, there's been moments. There's also been moments where, you know, the opposing offense is catching balls on them too frequently. So, um, you know, if I'm going to pick one, obviously I'd probably pick Smith because Reed is easier to get to your practice squad. But um, I think TJ Carey would honestly be the next up outside corner. Roman wants to know, will the screen pass make a comeback in Indy with Mr. Rivers at the helm? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Roman, expect it. There's been, it's been years since the Colts have had a successful screen. So yes, a great name here, Arcadius Maximus. Do you think our simplified defensive scheme will be an advantage in the early stages of this crazy season? Yeah, maybe. I I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. A little bit, but I still think you got to disguise. You know, a good amount, Chris. And I think it's less of like. Sure, there's some teams, obviously, like, systematically, they're introducing totally different schemes, but I think it's more so of, like, do you know what you have from a personnel standpoint? Mm-hmm. I guess there is a communication aspect that I shouldn't overlook, but, um, yeah, maybe a little. Latrell Sprewell, Donnie, Jorge, all talking about kickers. No matter what kicker we pick, will the one we cut be signed somewhere else before Adam Vinatieri? So, Vinny, we got a lot of Vinny questions this week. I was kind of like, we're still talking about Um, I think he's done. I mean, I'm sorry to break. At least done with the Colts. So, I think we can kind of like, there's been no official announcement. The dude hasn't been with the Colts since the pandemic started, Mm -hmm. if if you want to really go, which might seem like 10 years and gives me more gray hair just thinking about it. Um, I think one of them will be signed elsewhere. You know, I try not to pay attention to kicker hell across the league. Yeah. You know, I, I worry about mm-hmm. the Colts kicker hell, um, which kicker hell just means you literally have a kicking competition. That's that's hell. That would keep me up at night if I were a coach. Um, but I, I like both of them. I do. Uh, I really like how the ball comes off both their legs. I don't I, – yeah, I think McLaughlin's a little bit more of a cool customer. Blankenship's kind of off in his own little world. But still, you know, they both – I don't think they're like Justin Tucker boomers or anything, but I like them. Um, and Frank Reich said it, you know, after Saturday's practice, these are two NFL kickers this season somewhere. Right. So I don't know if you'll be able to keep one of them on your practice squad. And, you know, if teams get desperate on Saturday at 3.55 before roster cuts, who knows? Maybe you will get a seventh rounder for one of them or something crazy, which, again, I don't think you will. But because, um, look, teams know full well. 
you're gonna have to cut. No, no team is kicking two kick, keeping two kickers yeah. on their 53 man roster. It's just of, do you feel like you can get the waiver claim in in time for? Interesting one from John. A Browns beat writer has been exploring trade options around the league to replace Grant Delpit. Malik Hooker was an option that he's written a few articles on, and the most recent one he suggests in Joku for some pit and some picks for Hooker. Once Blackman is getting some game reps, would you rather trade Hooker for Njoku and a day two pick or re-sign Hooker for the future? All right. Um, David Njoku, former, if I'm not mistaken, first rounder. First rounder out of Miami. I mean, and just total, I go to Cleveland and, you know, rot. Yeah, I think the year they did Hard Knocks, which, uh, which was last year, I want to say in the preseason or early in the year, he had a pretty significant concussion. Yeah, and he didn't only come back four from that. games last year. Yeah, didn't come back from that. So I'll tell you what, man. You give me David and Joku and a day two pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, that means second or third round. I'm uh, I'm gonna change my thinking pretty quickly on this old. Yeah, that's that's quite the package. Now, obviously, Andrew Barry's their general manager. Ryan Grigson is on their staff. Ryan Grigson did not draft Malik Hooker, but I'm just saying there's some connections uh, in Cleveland. So uh, it's intriguing. Again, in Joku in a second or third rounder, Chris Presley, I I can't see myself saying no. And it wouldn't just be because I'm like ready to give Julian Blackman the reins. It'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay, Tavon Wilson can play some safety a little bit until, you know, because I've got a void at tight end right now. Yes. It, in my opinion, it, if Burton's going to miss any time. And I'm still a little worried about the long-term future at tight end. In Joku, there's no way in Joku's over 25. He's, he's still got to be young. He was, he was young. Yes, he was young coming out anyway. So, uh, yeah, and you know me, I'm all about tapping into former first-round picks. All about it. So, that that trade package, though, just doesn't seem – seems a little one-sided. Boy, if you're the Browns, you're really banking on Hooker, giving him the new deal and and, and all that. Yeah, so. the way that these safeties are starting to get paid this offseason, too. Ooh, yeah. That market's going up. Yeah. Um. That's a good point. It, it kind of makes sense, John. Um, so, yeah, if you're going to say one or the other there, but, again, to me it's got to be a day two pick because I, I still think Malik Hooker is a good player. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, and I don't want to throw that much on the Blackman plate, but the Tavon Wilson signing has probably relieved a little bit of stress I would have under that scenario. Okay, Mitchell needs you to help him out here a little bit. He bet his All friend right. $50 that Hines would have at least five touchdowns this year. Is he crazy? Oh, boy, I love it. By the way, he can't wait for beers with Bowen. Oh, that's awesome, Mitchell. 8 o'clock, Thursday night. I got to pick up some beer. Yeah, I got you. Just let me know. Shoot me a text. I didn't even think about that. All right, not, not, Naeem Hines, what's he saying for him? How many touchdowns? Five touchdowns. Naeem Hines have five touchdowns in his career? Well, all right, here we go. Luckily for him, he just said touchdowns. It's not like he said rushing. No, or, you're right. I mean, you're right. Okay, he's got four rushing and two receiving. That's six. And then he has what? The two punt return. Yep. Um, boy, five is a juicy number. Yes, it is. Like if you were going to tell me, give me a blank piece of paper and say write down Naeem Hines touchdowns for the season, I'd probably say four. That's a good bet, Mitchell. That's good, man. Um. You know, if you want to get really uh, just ruthless with it, just cheer for Marlon Mack or John Taylor to get hurt. You know, you get some more reps there. That's harsh, but uh, I think got a chance, Mitchell. Z Palm, from what you've seen in camp, rank Phillips' top five most trusted pass catchers and a juicy bet here as well. First play, is it going to be a run or a pass this season? Oh, gosh. Sounds like a gambling bet. Uh, Just pound it. Why not? Just run it. Yeah, 90-degree heat. Just bang on Jacksonville a little bit. Okay, top five most trusted. It's tough because Doyle, boy, I can't tell you last time Doyle got an 11-on-11 rep. It's been a while. I'd say Hilton by far, Doyle, Burton, Campbell. I mean, he's throwing it to Pittman a lot. Probably one of the running backs, but you probably don't want me to cop out and give that answer. Um, and I still think Pascal is going to play a good amount. Yeah, I do too. You know, I just I feel like we just kind of forget about him in week one and to be like, oh yeah, there's number fourteen starting. You know, so that's a good question. All right, three more. Benji, fake question for the pod: When the Colts cut players, do they put them on a direct flight to the Jets organization? <laughs> 
I can't but you see they signed Dante Moncrief. Yes, I did. Unbelievable. I mean Moncrief, Nate Hairston, Quincy Wilson, Desir, Henry Anderson, Terrell Basham, Josh Andrews. I think Jonathan Harrison's still there. I mean It's amazing. It, it it is amazing, dude. It is. It's like, you know. And this is no shot at Garen whatsoever, Chris. And like, but it's like when Garen was first built, maybe you'd have like the ten kids that got cut by Carmel that have some Catholic ties. They go transfer to Garen. Yes. You know, 100%. it's like one of those. It's like, you know, it's the. Um, yeah, they're like, hey, did you hear we got Noblesville's backup quarterback? Really right. awesome. How's Noblesville? They're not good either. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Literally, I mean, that's like. It's the most popular JUCO or the most popular FCS program yeah. that, you know, Marion's getting all the retreads from wherever. Um, gosh, God bless the Jets. Colts play the Jets, I think, somewhat early in the year, don't they? They do. They play them week three. I'll tell you what, we haven't talked about Yannick and Gakwe, Chris. You I know. We were texting about it. Week two, man, that Vikings defense. Rick Venturi was texting me off that trade. They got Daniil Hunter and Gakwe. Um, on a pay cut too. <laughs> right, motivated. Uh, safety's got Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, and then at uh, linebacker they've got um, oh God, Kendricks, right? Yes. And um, is it Bar? No. Who's there? I think it might be Bar. Is it still Bar? Now I gotta look this up. God, we get an hour in, and my brain just. Anthony Barr. Still there. He's still there. I mean, that's a good defense. It is a good defense. And Zimmer's a defensive coach. That game kind of is a little... Like, how much is home field going to matter this year? Mm-hmm. Is it going to matter? Is it not? You know, it's like you, you, the standard, oh, three points. It's like, I mean... You were there. I saw Mike Chappell tweet a photo when they were having their scrimmage of the Vikings and Colts, like, that game that was being played. Oh, Do you yeah, remember yeah, seeing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they like they put up the stats of the Vikings logo. Yeah, and the Colts had like six point four rushing yards per carry. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a win. Um, that's kind of a sneaky game. The Vikings are decent. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they are. So, we'll see. From Josh, which Colts rookie card would you want to keep? Which Colts rookie card? Uh, I guess current rookies. Um. You know, if you want the quicker pizzazz, you'd go Taylor. If you want the better long-term bet, you go Pittman. I guess it's all your flavor. Taylor's yeah. probably the flashier one. Running backs are a little flashier. Pittman's a little, he's a little quieter. During this pandemic, and a lot of it had to do with the last dance, but I feel like the trading card industry was like just kind of crapping out, and for whatever reason, really? now all of a sudden, Darren Ravel tweets all this stuff. Mm, that's got to be true. A lot of people paying high dollar for trading cards again wow good i'll never forget i think i took some kids marvin harrison rookie card back on the bus back in the day <laughs> I, I regret that evan michaelis i apologize oh you physically took it you didn't like well, trade I, it or maybe i like i, I kind of scammed them and told them it was a great trade knowing full well it wasn't <laughs> you know hey i'm taking advantage i'm like what everyone does the jaguars or the right. Jets or whatever last question this week forged in blue He's just curious if viewing J- Jacob Eason in person and live action has your opinion changed that he could be the next future starter for QB at Colts and we wouldn't need to draft a quarterback next season. Um, No, nothing has changed whatsoever. I mean, no joke, Chris. I bet Jacob Eason threw. There's no way he threw more than 40-ish passes in the 10 practices I saw. So, like... <laughs> And, I mean, he could have completed all 40 of them, and I don't know if, like, my opinion would change that. I mean, it's still practice, and I am such a big proponent with him. It's it's the game reps. It's processing things. It's what happens when pressure gets in his face. He is the most, one of the more beautiful quarterbacks you will watch when it is clean pocket, seven-on-seven, one-on-ones, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, go back and watch the BYU game, first half of it, people. Yeah. You'll think he should be the number one pick. And, I mean, again, he throws a great ball. I mean, just a great ball. I thought he was accurate. Uh, both those Lucas Oil practices really well. Um, my opinion hasn't changed that much. I think my opinion all along has been this. Groom, 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 groom. You have some. There is something there. 
now you put a, a lot of pressure on your coaching staff and Jacob Beeson mm-hmm. and your scouting department because they had to identify the character aspect of saying this guy can handle the grind that's coming this year. It's going to be a grind for him. I mean, he's not that, – that, he admitted, I'm not used to taking this few of, of reps, snaps. So this is going to be a – just wait till you get in the season, man. You think Phil Rivers is giving up any reps? Right. You know, you're going to be running scout teams probably. Maybe – I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Chad Kelly will. But – I like what I saw. I mean, physically, I like what I saw. Nothing too big for him. Nothing too, but yeah, I. I you find the running. You find the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Whenever, wherever, you find it, and uh, keep on grooming him. Awesome. Well, that question wraps up Twitter questions for this week. Cool. All right, uh, those we missed, we'll get to you next time. Um, so we'll basically what we'll do during the regular season is. We'll come at you two a week. Next week is, is a game week. It'll probably only be one that week just because you aren't recapping and mm-hmm. previewing. So maybe like a Tuesday pod next week. Recap roster cuts. Preview little Jags. And, I mean, holy shit, we're going to be playing a football game. Let's do it. A lot of them. Um, Texans Chiefs. Yeah, 10 days. What? Yeah, uh, I love it. Let's still try and do that fantasy draft Tuesday or Wednesday night next week, if that works for you, Chris. That works we, we for me. Figure that out. Um, again, like I said, beers with Bowen. We'll have some trivia questions late in that. Check those out. Those will be for five spots, and then we'll we'll, we'll pick five other people, and then Chris um, is going to do a uh, full pick 'em league mm-hmm. that will be open to whoever because we got a ton of responses from it. So thank you to that. And again, beers with Bowen, eight o'clock Thursday, YouTube. And Facebook. Am I forgetting anything? No, you wrapped it all up. Awesome. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, Thursday night.